Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Your Advisors Will See You Now. We are still in our international series. Um, We've had really great guests so far. I think this is our first time we've had like all guests for every episode. Um, So that's been really exciting. Um, And today we have one of my good friends, Abby Woodall. Abby Abby and I have been friends since like the since middle school, like probably since like fifth grade or so. We go way Um, back. We go way back. Um, I'm so happy. We're so happy to have her on here today because Abby has a great story of her experience studying or working abroad. Um, And we'll get into that in a little bit. She went to Kazakhstan for for two years. Yes, for two years. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So thank you for having, thank you for being here with us, Abby, not having us on. Thank you for being here with us, Abby. We're oh, so yeah. excited to have you. And so, yeah, we'll go ahead and let you jump in. Like, just give us a little bit of your background, like where you're from, your education, um, what you do now, and then we'll jump into your travel story. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about my story of living overseas. Um, So as Kiki said, my name is Abby Woodall. Um, I'm currently 30 years old, the big (laughs) 3-0. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. That's actually where Kiki and I met. Um, My degree is from Liberty University up in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, My degree is in English language and literature. Um, And I currently work as an executive assistant at a small insurance company. However, during my time living overseas, I was a middle school teacher, which um, that alone, I have a ton of stories. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is cool, too, because so like, your current job, like you, you started it in New York, but it's right. cool. I mean, I know you're working remotely now, but it's cool because it's like an international right. Firm, my, so you're still getting that experience a little bit, right? Right, exactly. So it is a Japanese company that I work for, a very small company. Um, but even within the company, we have so many different nationalities um, represented there. And I think my time as an expat living overseas has really kind of helped me to expand my worldview a little bit and to be able to understand we have within our company, we have expats, you know, people that come over from Japan and, and do time here in the U.S. So it's fun talking to them and kind of getting their perspective of, of being an expat in the U.S. And, you know, I feel like I can understand them on a different level because we share that experience of having lived overseas. So, so it's definitely great to be in a company that um, is so international. Mm-hmm. You have cool stories. Can you talk about your, how you chose Kazakhstan? Like what, like what was the search like, or what, I guess we'll start with what prompted you to want to work abroad and how did you land on Kazakhstan? Yeah, that's a great question. So Throughout my college years, my college studies, um, I had did, I had did, <laughs> I had done some <laughs> study abroad. My, I, ha- I actually have a minor in French. And so when I was in college, I did a study abroad to France and Belgium. And that really just kind of gave me a taste of what it's like to be overseas. Um, and of course, you know, study abroad is very short, you know, four to five months so I actually did a summer study abroad. So it was even shorter. It was only six weeks in France and Belgium. The time was split. And so once I graduated and no longer had that opportunity of studying abroad, I started work. I, so I graduated. I'm trying to go back to my, 
<laughs> back to my history. It's, it's been years. <laughs> I graduated in December of 2013 and came back to Charlotte and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Again, my degree is in English. And so the the field is wide, so to speak. <laughs> you know, you can, you can do many things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I got to have some money. I got to start working. And while I'm working, I can kind of figure out what I want to do. So I started working for a small real estate agency here in Charlotte called Savvy and Company. Um, it was a fantastic work. I got to meet a lot of different people, but found out very quickly that real estate was not for me. <laughs> not not the field that I wanted to go into. Too volatile, too much change, lots of regulation um, in being a real estate agent. So it was not for me. <laughs> uh, so early on in that role, I just started feeling the urge like, I would like to go overseas again and do something a little bit longer than just travel or study abroad. So I basically just got on Google. (laughs) I said, (laughs) how can I do this? What can I do? How can I go overseas? And at the very outset, it was daunting. It was like, oh gosh, things that I didn't even think about. You know, when you study abroad, you have a a college, you have advisors, people that kind of guide you through the way and, and what you need to do, the paperwork that you need. When you've graduated and you don't have that support system, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, you're on your own. <laughs> so I found out really quickly, this is going to be a big undertaking to get a visa, um, to be able to work and live overseas. So I thought that my best bet would be to find an organization that would help me do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was daunting because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But as I continued to research, I figured out that um, with my degree in English, that was a huge end for me. A lot of foreign countries like to have native English speakers come and teach English. Um, so I kind of got on the Google rabbit, rabbit trail of how to teach English overseas. And I like to tell people, Kiki, one of the questions you asked me was, how did I choose Kazakhstan? Mm-hmm. I like I like to say that Kazakhstan chose me. <laughs> I really, I had no idea that Kazakhstan, I'm embarrassed to say, <laughs> no idea. No. Existed. <laughs> but I found a program or a, not a program, but a company called QSI, which is Quality Schools International. And it just felt like a right fit right away. So I placed an application with them and uh, heard back it, it was mind blowing. I heard back from them less than 24 hours after I had wow. it and they wanted to interview with me. So, so it went very quickly. You know, it was a, a long process of research in the beginning. And then as soon as I started putting in applications, QSI reached out to me and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> you know, just, just dive right in. <laughs> Being young and having just graduated and not really having an anchor, you know, I wasn't married you know, I had my family here in Charlotte, I just said, put me anywhere, I'll go anywhere, I'll go to China, I'll go to Kazakhstan, I'll go, you know, I'll go anywhere. So um, they said, we have an opening for a school in Kazakhstan. Are you interested? I said, sure, why not? <laughs> so I just ran with it. <laughs> wow. So what was kind of the, I know you said you worked with organizations, so they guide you through the whole visa process as well? So they did. Yes, QSI was very good. And um, I like to say they took care of me, for sure. They uh, guided me through the whole process. Once I signed that contract, the school administrators reached out to me and kind of gave me a list of these, you know, these are the documents that you need. Um, This is what you do. You 
it's quite intimidating. You have to send your passport away so that you can get the mm. visa in the passport. Yeah. <laughs> but they they really took me step by step. And that was super helpful to find an organization that did that. And I know, particularly in regards to teaching organizations, there are a lot of teaching organizations that will, once you're hired, once you sign that contract, will really walk you through it, through the process. It's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I was talking to Kiki earlier. And I, I don't even know how I stumbled upon it. But I found out myself too, like there is a lot, there's like a branch out there where there's a lot of countries hiring for English speakers. I had right. no, I had no idea. And if I could probably go back in time, I don't know if I would be courageous enough to do it by myself. But if I could go back in time, <laughs> I may have thought of doing that as an option, graduating right after undergrad mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But that's I think I like how you say that they also guide you a lot through that whole entire process. So if someone is thinking of this, at least they know, okay, it's not just going to be them doing all the research by themselves. So that's mm-hmm. good to know. Right, for sure. And I would recommend that now. I think a majority of companies, even outside of teaching, I believe that a majority of companies would, once you are hired, help you out, you know, help you figure it out. And, you know, I, I don't think they're going to hire you and say, okay, good luck, figure out how to get here. <laughs> Which is like you're on your own. Right. It's reassuring. And if they do do that, that might be a red flag. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's. Hearing, hearing your story, I kind of, I'm like, I feel like I remember you telling me when you were going. I don't remember where we were, but I feel like we met up somewhere and you're like, I'm going to Kazakhstan. And it was like in two weeks. Right. <laughs> I don't remember where we were, but I definitely remember this like coming back to me now. I was like, okay, wow. Right. But right. It, kind it, was, of, it kind of flew by too though. Right. It was definitely a lesson in flexibility as well. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that this is what I wanted. And the more I got into the rabbit trail of like figuring out this is what I want to do, I realized I'm going to have to be flexible. And if an opportunity arises and I feel that it's the right thing, then I'm going to have to jump in. And that's mm-hmm. really what happened with, with the process with QSI. It moved so quickly. Uh, like Kiki said, it was like two two weeks turnaround. And um, it was a little uh-huh. bit longer than that. But but um, it was a very quick turnaround. And before I knew it, I was at Charlotte Douglas International Airport <laughs> with my, like four suitcases. <laughs> That is, no, that's amazing. I'm definitely remembering that. So once you got to Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. talk about like getting adjusted. Like how was the adjustment period? Where were you, like how was your living situation? And like when did you like jump in to start teaching? Once you got there. So let's see. So in Kazakhstan, the first city that I that I taught in, um, it's a small town in western Kazakhstan called Atyrau. So I flew into Atyrau and literally it was like, as soon as I got there, it was boots on the ground. <laughs> um, I had the school director and then a fellow teacher came to greet me at the airport. Oh, and wow. I had about a day or so to adjust and get used to the, you know, the jet lag and the time zone. And then they gave me, once I started teaching, they gave me about a week to sit in the classroom Along with the, the, they had a sub working in that particular class. I, I came in, so it was a bit challenging as a little bit of background I should have added. Um, I came in about four weeks after the school year had started. The particular situation was that there was a teacher in that classroom. It was a group of sixth graders. That particular teacher had a medical issue, had to come back to the United States. And so they hired me to fill that role. 
And so it was a bit daunting to start in the middle of the year, mm -hmm. especially not having any teaching experience. <laughs> it, it was quite daunting to um, just jump right in. So they gave me about a week um, along with the sub to kind of get caught up to see where the students were and then really just jumped, jumped right into it. And um, <laughs> it was really a process of trying to trying to figure out my my jive with teaching, so to speak. <laughs> and then as far as kind of the cultural aspect of it. If any listeners don't know, in Kazakhstan, um, they mainly speak Russian. So Kazakh and Russian are the two primary languages. So in order for myself to feel comfortable outside of the school setting, I knew that I had to learn a little bit of Russian just to feel mm -hmm. comfortable to get around. So that, that was a bit challenging the first couple weeks. You know, Russian is not the easiest <laughs> language to learn. But, you know, I just... You're, when you're plopped down into a situation kind of like I was, you, you have to figure it out. You have to be adaptable. Um, and that was that was a big lesson for me, for sure. <laughs> Just adaptability, um, particularly within the first couple weeks of, of getting settled in, both in the classroom and culturally um, in, in this new home of mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Props to you. That's a lot of balancing in that quick turnaround. Wow. That's really awesome. And kids it, are no joke, so. <laughs> right, no, no, middle schoolers especially, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> um, Kiki, I think you had asked me too about the housing situation, so this was mm -hmm. another thing about um, QSI. This is, this is not, not a sponsor, you know, not an advertisement, <laughs> but QSI was really good about taking care of their um, expat staff. And so my housing was all arranged. So it was owned by QSI. They, they handled the rent and everything. Um, so that was a big weight off of my shoulders. Now I know some teaching organizations, some companies, you are responsible for finding your own living mm -hmm. accommodations. And thankfully, I did not have to do that. So with QSI, and I, and I would recommend to anybody who's looking to do this, if you can, find an organization that is at least willing to help you find um, you know, find accommodations because that's a big, big part of being able to get settled in and feel like you're at home, um, you know, and, and make a home somewhere. So definitely helps to have that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. You said it was like a really nice apartment too. And it was, like very yeah. homey. Like, they had heated floors in the bathroom. <laughs> I yes. had never experienced that before. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is like borderline bougie. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great though. I'm I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, just just having a space to settle into and to call home when you're um moving to a new a new country which can be chaotic at times. It's nice to have your own space. I highly recommend finding a home <laughs> before before <laughs> you it helps you helps you to get settled for sure. <laughs> So while you were there in the, the school that you were working at, were there other expats as well? Yes. So QSI mainly hires expats and there's local staff that run things like um, the cafeteria, school nurse, all the administration mainly is local staff. So QSI, I think I said at the beginning, um, stands for Quality Schools International, and they look mainly to hire native English speakers for their classrooms. The rule, at least particularly in the schools that I taught at was English at all times for all students. So it was challenging at times. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it was, but, but it was all expat staff. It was all staff mainly from 
the U.S. I'm just trying to do U.S., Canada, and we had a couple British, but all Native English speakers. So, so it was nice to have that expat community. You know, I didn't feel like I was being completely isolated from people that spoke English. And, um, you know, that's, that's another thing. And it's kind of a rabbit trail, but, um, you know, to have expat community wherever you go in any, any country you go to, it's, it's just amazing to have a community of people that are in the same boat as you, you know, being far from, far from your home country or far from your family. Um, so having that ex- expat community really makes makes a huge difference. And thankfully, um, my community started at the school um, and kind of grew from there. So, well, that was one of our questions, too. That, that's a great like, leading. So I know you talked about the expat community. Can you talk about like how you like adjusted to the is a Kazakh community, I guess, like the people there and like how you adjusted to like having to go to the store? Like you mentioned, like Trent, like transportation or like having fun while you were there. Cause you were there for a little bit. It wasn't like a quick trip. So right. like, how did you acclimate to that community as well? So the person, one of the teachers who came to pick me up at the airport, she was around my age. Her name was Elizabeth. I'll just give her a shout out. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth was very friendly, very great. And I just thought, you know, I, all throughout college, I kind of struggled. I was, I was kind of a um, homebody. I liked to be, you know, in my dorm at night, you know, at night, I wasn't super social. So going to Kazakhstan, I knew in order to have a community, I'm going to have to force myself out of out outside of my comfort zone in order to connect with people and to have community. And I'll never forget the first night that I was there. Um, Elizabeth, who had come to pick me up from the airport, she lived in the same kind of apartment complex as I did. And um, she came to my door at like 9 p.m. And I'm like here with jet lag, you know, trying to unpack. I'm in this new country. She comes to my door. She says, hey, a bunch of the teachers um, and a couple of the local staff, we're going to go salsa dancing out. We're going to go to salsa lessons. It's up on a roof at a, at a hotel downtown. Do you want to come with us? And my homebody instinct was like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. I got jet lag. <laughs> I'm not trying to do this. <laughs> but my expat <laughs> um my expat instinct kind of kicked in right away and I was like you know what this is an opportunity mm-hmm. um, to either isolate myself or to create community and I'm not a salsa dancer lord knows <laughs> don't look good <laughs> I, I've never been about the nightlife um but I said you know what it's my first night in a foreign country I'm gonna go I'm just gonna go see if I enjoy it. Um, And it wound up being a great opportunity. I was able to meet again. um, It was a group of teachers that had gone um, and it was a very low key evening, you know, nothing crazy, but we we had salsa lessons. So I got to learn how to do something new um, and then got to dance and and have some fun and get to know some of my fellow expats as well Mm -hmm. as some of the local, local people. And it really just, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone <laughs> was it was a big thing um and i know for a lot of people just going to a foreign country by yourself <laughs> at 22 23 years old that's very outside of your comfort zone but i feel like continuing that you know and and pushing your um comfort zone and just trying to be interactive with people and be social it's super important particularly with expats because they understand what 
what you're going through. They understand, mm-hmm. you know, if you do struggle with homesickness, um, you know, they're there to kind of be a shoulder to lean on. They understand what you've gone through. Um, and then as far as kind of meshing in with the, with locals, um, I found that my desire to learn Russian, um, to get around, I feel like that really helped me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the locals would light up when you start speaking Russian. My Russian's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know very, very basic Russian, but it was always exciting to interact with locals because they would help me. You know, if I said something wrong in Russian or I didn't know the right word, they'd be very eager to help me out. Um, and that made me feel welcomed as as a traveler, as a foreigner. But it also made me feel a little bit more comfortable just being able to get around um, and do things on my own and, and have my independence. And, and honestly, it was a mixed bag. There were um, fellow expats that I knew that had no Russian experience. They primarily relied on Google Translate. <laughs> and, and that's fine. They got around just fine. Um, but for me personally, having just a little bit of a language gave me a lot of confidence. It was a huge boost of confidence. And I think helped enrich my experience with locals, for sure. I feel like that's always a key, no matter where you're traveling, at least to have a little bit of the understanding of the language. And then mm-hmm. you'll see such a different kind of treatment compared to if you just come to someone's foreign foreign country, to a different foreign country and just like, hey, where is this at? Versus like, I'm in your country. <laughs> Let me speak in your language. And you get such like a different reception too. Because I, def- I feel like I had that same um, kind of response when I went to when I went to Paris. Some people were mm-hmm. like, oh, I wasn't really a fan of Paris. And mind you, I, I know a little bit of Spanish. I don't know nothing about French, but I was right. definitely doing some research before I went. So I was like, parlez-vous anglais, whatever. <laughs> right. But if you at least extend some of that in your show that you're trying, I feel as though individuals are more open to helping you versus me just going up and saying, hey, you speak English, <laughs> you know? So I think that really is key. Just knowing at least a little bit of the language goes so far. So it far. really does. It, it is. It is, like I said, a boost of confidence. And I would encourage anybody who, who wants to do this, who either wants to travel overseas or to live overseas to not be afraid to to speak the language. Um, I think that's something that I learned a lot of my expat friends who didn't know Russian or knew a little bit of Russian were embarrassed that uh, it's not good. I don't speak it. Like they're going to laugh at me or I'm just not comfortable speaking it. I would say get over that <laughs> real, yeah. real quick because I mean, my Russian's no good. <laughs> it, it, it's really not, but that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. You mess up. And I, and I found that particularly um, in Kazakhstan, they were quick to help me figure out the right way of saying things. I'll never forget. I was looking at Christmas time. I was looking for a string of lights for, for my Christmas tree. And I went and I went into a store. I went into several stores and I was saying what I was looking for. And I'm trying to think of the words that I used. I said, a lamp for the Christmas tree is how it would have translated to. And I did this <laughs> swirling motion with my hands so that they knew it was like Christmas tree lights. And finally, I spoke to somebody who was like, oh, I know what you're looking for, girlanda, which means like a garland, like a light, oh, okay. light garland. And I was like, <sighs> okay. And so then I took that word girlanda and I was like, oh, okay. So now I learned a new word, mm-hmm. wrote it down in my phone, like, okay, add that to the list. It's not 
you know, string of lights for your tree, it's gear on this. <laughs> so, you know, don't be afraid to mess up or say things wrong because that's how you learn. And, um, you know, most people will be pretty receptive to, to you speaking um, their language, which is nice. That's good advice. Because I, I think I'm sure anybody that's going abroad, we're like, try, if you try to learn language, I guess it's like, it's sometimes embarrassing if you say something wrong. I think that's more of what it, what it is. We're like embarrassed right. to say things wrong because, you know, somebody may look at you like, huh? But I, I mean, you don't, you don't get that experience until you try. And like you said, right. like the more you practice, that's with anything. People coming to the States learning English or any of us from the States traveling to other countries it's just about practice. Like no one's judging, but I think you, I think you mentioned it too. Like they absolutely appreciate when you try to be on, you know, try to use their language. Cause I think it just shows a respect for, for where you are. That's really great advice. Right. Can, we, can you like go back to, to like how it was teaching English? Like mm-hmm. what was like your day to day? Like how were the, kids you worked with and just like the school environment can you talk about that too so i let me just preface this by saying that i my degree is in english not english education like literature right right so it's english literature and language um so i had no background in teaching when i was a student at liberty um i did some Um, I did a work-study program, and I did tutoring, so it was small-scale, but it was not like teaching, (laughs) (laughs) and I learned that very, very quickly. (laughs) Um, I was kind of thrown into the classroom and um, learned very quickly. (laughs) Now, I I was lucky because the majority of students, um, now it was an international school, but at the first school that I was at in Aturao, the majority of the students already had a really good basis of English. So kind of going back a little bit, QSI actually hired me to teach what they call intensive English, which is a bit more like what I was doing at Liberty in my work study um, of tutoring students one-on-one and just helping them build their base of English. Um, so it's kind of like ESL. That That's mm-hmm. kind of the um, equivalent. So I was initially hired to teach intensive English. However, <laughs> when I got to Kazakhstan um, was when I found out, by the way, <laughs> you are going to be teaching a great a, a group of sixth graders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it, that was a lesson in being flexible and uh, adaptability. So I said, okay, all right, throw it at me. Um, but these particular students had a stronger base of English, did not need the intensive English, but I had to teach them all subjects. There was one subject that I said, I will not teach. I cannot teach math. <laughs> somebody to come in and teach the math for me. So they had, um, they had another student, or not another student, <laughs> another teacher come in and do the math. Um, and so for that particular group of kids, I did the English, um, English writing and literature sessions, the history, and the science for those students. And I'm not going to lie, it was it was challenging. I was really learning the ropes of just being a teacher and, and getting that experience of being in the classroom. Sixth graders are on another level. <laughs> <laughs> those, those kids, they're great because they, 
still have the innocence, you know, of, mm-hmm. a, of a younger kid, but they're also starting to kind of come into their own. They're, they're what, like 11, 12 years old. So they're starting to come into their adolescence. Um, and they're just a whole ball of energy. <laughs> but they have these moments of being sweet where it's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. still innocent. You're still, you know, you're still very sweet. Um, and then throw into the mix the fact that you've got, you know, kids representing almost every country under the sun. I had Pakistani students. I had um, Italian students. I had American students. I had Canadian students, Korean students, uh, Kazakh students, of course. Um, So, you know, we had all of these different cultures and it was just beautiful the way it came together in the classroom. Um, Beautiful at times. (laughs) Other times it was like, okay, you know, success, you need to put your shoes back on, please. (laughs) You know, Um, you know, these kind of things, but it was, it was fun. I feel like I was learning along with them and kind of learning their rhythms and what they needed as Mm -hmm. students. And, um, I think kind of going back to what we talked about and having community, having the teachers, the other teachers come and check in on me. And, um, you know, I had a couple friends, Elizabeth, who, again, I have talked about before she, taught the high school kids and she said, Hey, my door is always open. If you have any questions about how to do this, how to, how to teach certain lessons, you know, if you need ideas, please come to me. And, and that was a huge resource is just being able to lean on my other teacher friends who, who Mm -hmm. were a bit more seasoned (laughs) than I was and not being shy to go and ask for help when you need it. Um, and, and that really helped me, especially within the first couple months, just learning how to um, how to adapt <laughs> to being in a classroom. It, it, it's daunting for sure. <laughs> hmm. So I know you said you did a lot of adapting to the classroom and just like mm-hmm. understanding the pedagogy. So I guess in terms of like outside of school, were there a lot of were there any major customs like um, except for like language that you felt you no. had to really uh, get accustomed to? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> Um, honestly, not really. I feel like I really meshed well with the the people in Kazakhstan. I feel like, um, particularly the first city that I was in, I had a fantastic experience, both with my expat friends and my local friends. And we all kind of, we all kind of intermingled. Um, and I think just having that solid community really made a difference in how I experienced Kazakhstan. Yeah, I think I think just having that community really really made a difference. I don't I'm trying to think of any like cultural cultural shock moments that I had. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that maybe I had to adapt to was just getting into like any car. <laughs> so the way mm. taxis worked over there is you just stand on the street and throw your hand up and anybody like, you know, throw, throw your hand up and say, "Hey, <laughs> anybody can pull over and stop." And then you just barter with them, you know, this is where I need to go. And this is how much I'm willing to pay you. Sometimes they'll be like, nope, not enough. Like, see you later. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes they'll just nod and, and you can get in the car. <laughs> that was pretty intimidating as a, as a young female going to a foreign country, just like getting into somebody's car <laughs> and trusting right. that they'll take me to where I need to go. Um, so that was, that was definitely challenging. Um, and something that's, you know, again, very common for locals, but for this kid who's like fresh out of college and <laughs> fresh, like fresh off the plane from the US, I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> okay, th- I'm going to have to get used to this. <laughs> but then again, it, it goes back to language learning and community. So 
doing that a couple times with friends and getting comfortable with the process of, you know, hey, I, I've got to go to the store and it's, you know, 10 kilometers away and I'm not walking t- 10 kilometers. Then, you know, you, you learn that you have to do it. <laughs> um, and then the language, just learning the language made me feel a little bit more comfortable getting into somebody's car and trusting that they're going to take me. You know, if you if you show a little bit of confidence that like, hey, I, I know these words, I know where I'm going. You know, it just it boosts your confidence and ability to be able to to kind of trust. And <laughs> it, but that was definitely challenging for sure. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of other cultural shock moments that I can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> you um, while you were there, like you found a church. Did you find a church while you were there, too? I did. I did. Yeah. So there was an international church. And mm-hmm. again, it was both locals and expat staff. Um, I was really blessed by the fact that several of the teachers at the school that I was working at um, went to this international fellowship and um, invited me the first mm-hmm. week I was there. Really, really grateful for the people that I met um, who, from the get-go, really reached out to me and made sure that I felt included and that I had a place. And um, I was very conscientious of the fact that I need to branch out. And and again, like we talked about going out of my comfort zone and um, just spending a couple weeks doing that, I, I got comfortable and I got to, you know, got into a community and the church was a big part of that for sure. Um, so that was something that kind of blew my mind is that, you know, like I said, come over from, from, the U.S. and I come to Kazakhstan and I meet all these people from Texas. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, the Atarao is quite a small town, and it was funny because when I remember very specifically um, when I was going back and forth with the school director, um, he's he's like the principal of the school. I was going back and forth with him. He was an expat as well. And this was before I ever moved to Kazakhstan. It was as I was, you know, getting my visa and kind of working out the process of being able to get over there. Um, he, <laughs> I said something about how excited I was and like, Atarao looks like a beautiful place. I remember his email was so like borderline soul crushing. <laughs> he was like, I think you need to temper your expectations. <laughs> oh, he, he was like... <laughs> He was like, I don't think anybody has ever described Atarao as beautiful. Again, the word for word, he said, temper your expectations. And I was like, okay, I realize in my heart that that's probably good advice that I shouldn't Mm. be like, you know, putting this like experience up on a pedestal. But at the same time, I was like, oh, 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 ouch. Dang. (laughs) Um, But should I, should I come? Right. 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 But I am, I am glad that I had that advice, but I wound up loving Atarao. And and if you do Google pictures of it, it's not really much to write home about. It's very flat. It's very dry. Um, It's not a big city again. um, There's not any kind of attractions or any like cultural experiences. I mean, there are a few of course, um, but it's, it's not a big city. It's not, very beautiful, like visually. Um, but it wound up having such a special place in my heart. And I think that's because, um, of course, because it's the first place that I've ever lived overseas, but also, um, I think it is what you make it, you know, it's, I went out on a limb. Um, I tried something new. I really went outside of my comfort zone and, um, 
made a community. And I think that's what made it such a beautiful experience is the fact that I um, kind of forced myself to get, get outside of that comfort zone. And really um, it, it is, again, it is what you make it. And, you know, I made local friends. I think that's a big um, piece of advice that I could give to somebody is to make local friends. Cause it can get very easy to be in your little expat bubble and be like, I'm only going to be friends with people that speak English because it's mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, but if you can find an expat friend, that would be very, very helpful, you know, or not an expat friend, sorry, <laughs> a local friend mm-hmm. or, or, or a group of local friends, whether it's a neighbor, somebody from the church um, or both, it, it makes a huge difference because you are able to um, kind of experience life in that particular place as a local and from a local perspective you get you know the tips and tricks for how to survive in the city and um it makes it makes a huge difference for sure to to have local friends that's a great piece of advice well we we're going to ask you for like to give advice i think i think you like sprinkled advice like all throughout like do you have any like parting thoughts like for people like somebody listening right now that maybe like you like just finish college or maybe just take a gap year our age or... now yeah take a gap year like maybe they're our age now like 10 years out of college and like, I just want to make a change and like go abroad like you have advice for like that I know you said you kind of you, you kind of just like went for it but like advice right. for that process or just anything that you would think that somebody would want to hear um well, kind of on the on the front end of the process, I think that networking is really um, really important. So, uh, as a little bit of background of how I found QSI, um, once I started the rabbit trail of looking on Google and seeing of uh, about teaching overseas, I just started popping out my resume to all of these different mm-hmm. um, over te- overseas teaching organizations, and I had several come back to me and say, "Hey, we don't have any openings." And I would pop back and say, please keep my resume on file. Or do you know of any other organizations that have openings? If so, please share their contact information with me. So, so the persistency aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, that's how I found QSI. I didn't find QSI on my own on Google. It was actually through another place that I had placed mm-hmm. an application. And they said, hey, look, we don't have any openings, but we're going to forward your application to QSI you know, here's their link. If you're interested, reach out to them. So networking on the front end, I think is really helpful and just getting your foot in the door to be able to do something like this. And then again, just realize that it's going to be a challenge at times um, to be away from your home country, to be away from what's familiar. There's no, you know, CVS on the corner. There's no Target. Like, you know, <laughs> if you live close to your family, you can't call up your mom and dad and be like, hey, uh-huh can you come help me do this? Like, mm-hmm. um, so realize that there are going to be some challenges. Um, but it's also a great experience if you allow yourself to get outside of that comfort zone and mm-hmm. to really connect with people. I think people really make the experience different for you. If so once you get to the country that you're going to really do what you can to connect with people um, because that will make or break your experience, so to speak. If you're tired, if you're jet lagged, it's okay to rest. But at the same time, don't huddle inside of your apartment or your home and never go out because you're worried about what's foreign. Remember, 
foreign is why you went there in the first place. <laughs> you wanted something different. And so um, really get comfortable being uncomfortable at times. So that's, that's a big piece of advice <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great advice. Sounds like, I feel like from our episode last week too, with Kylan and you just like about being bold, like just having to take a leap mm-hmm. of faith and that's for, that's for anything, but I'm sure going abroad it's just like, just do it. You got like, you can't psych yourself out about right. it. So that's really right. great advice. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. And so actually the second year that I was in Kazakhstan, I was in a different city um, mm-hmm. and it was vastly different. So Almaty was the second city that I lived in. Um, it's in Eastern Kazakhstan, a little bit closer to the border with China. And it's a, it's a huge city. Almaty is over a million people. Um, it's wow. in the mountains. It's very, very beautiful. So, so the contrast is kind of crazy. You know, I went from Atra where it's very flat, dry, to this um, city, big city, over a million population, and kind of nestled in the mountains. So it's very beautiful. But I didn't have the same community. And it was a much more difficult time um, that second year there. And I think it's because I didn't have that community and the group of people. Um, I had a couple of friends and we, we meshed really well together, but um, adjusting to Almaty was such a different experience because I didn't have that support system that I did in Atrao. Um So I will say that, you know, people and the people that you connect with really can make a big difference in, in your experience as an expat in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm taking all these notes for myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, it's exciting. I, I recommend it to anybody, you know, who, but there's this like really cheesy, I think it's like you two or something who says you can't go home. (laughs) Why does that like that song (laughs) pop up in my mind? But, you know, you can do anything for any amount of time. You know, if you, if you decide after you know a year of teaching that you don't want to do it anymore and and you want to go back to the u.s or you know go back you can go back it's Mm -hmm. it's okay like nothing is permanent set in stone it's okay to be flexible it's okay to realize hey i've gotten here and i don't like it um i do encourage you to stick it out (laughs) um at least in the beginning give it i would say give it a year (laughs) um but but you know, nothing set in stone either. So I would say don't, um, don't feel like, oh my gosh, I've gotten myself to Kazakhstan and I'm here forever. What am I going to do? I hate it. You know, you know what I mean? Like just be flexible and, you know, yeah, I think flexibility, flexibility and adaptability. I think that's a big theme Mm -hmm. (laughs) for for sure. No, that's really awesome. I think, I think a lot of listeners, just like hearing people's stories going abroad, it's easy to be like, just go abroad, but to get like real world stories and real world experience is really helpful. So hopefully any, any listeners that are thinking about teaching abroad or studying abroad for a long period of time, hopefully this has really resonated with you. Do you have any other questions, Kimmy, before we? No, I think that's I all the questions that I had. I think it's just yeah. so insightful too that you're saying being flexible and adaptable. Sometimes mm-hmm. people have yeah. this vision of going abroad and it's going to be the same thing as home. And it's like, no, it's not. It's a whole different environment. That's why you're you're leaving your bubble. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think so that's why that advice of tempering your expectations is important too. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not always going to be glamorous. And um, Kemi was telling you, you know, before the <laughs> before we we started recording that 
you know, I did experience it, at least in the beginning of my time as an expat, I did experience periods of homesickness. And particularly, I think it was two months in, I, I felt that I had been doing really well, but there was one night where I was in my apartment and I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm in a foreign country, thousands of miles away from my family. And I just felt so homesick that I just missed normalcy. I missed being able to jump behind the wheel of my car and go Mm -hmm. somewhere and like understand what they're saying and not, you know, have to, I don't want to say struggle (laughs) to understand, but you know, just the comfort of being in someplace familiar. I really had that feeling of like homesickness, but push through it. I encourage you to push through that because it's so worth it um, in the end to to push through that and to realize like, hey, this is this is going to do me better in the long run to have these experiences and to, you know, um, just experience a different side of the world and a different worldview. I think it really helps you to to grow as a person and um, highly, highly encourage it for sure. Awesome. No, we, we really appreciate you sharing your story. That's the, it's, it's just cool to hear like unique unique stories from people who have been abroad. So thank you so much, Abby, for being on, for taking the time to share. And um, you just, just like talk about your experience. Like really, that was like really in depth, like really thorough. So <clears throat> hopefully anybody listening, yeah, you, you know, got a lot, like you felt like you were, you were there with Abby while she was gone a little bit. I, I felt like I was there with you. I've also, I've also, I've also heard the story. So I was like, yeah, it was really <laughs> cool. Um, but maybe we'll, we'll link QSI in the show notes so that people can, if they're interested you know, at least know of a program that does right. um, teaching abroad. But thank you so much for being on, Abby. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, no problem. I am on LinkedIn. It's Abby, Abigail Woodall. I don't have social media, but I do have LinkedIn. So if you're at all curious um, about teaching overseas, feel free to reach out. And I'd love to, um, you know, let you know a little bit more about QSI and my time there. And um for sure. Reach out and thank, thank you guys both for having me. No problem. Thank you, Abby. And thank you all the listeners out there that are tuning in. Um, if you find any of our episodes helpful or resourceful, please make sure to leave a like or a comment or subscribe so you can make sure you know when our newest episodes come out. If you also feel led to support, please make sure to click in the show notes to make a little donation if you feel led. But until then, we will see you in the next one. See you. Bye. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.